Post podcast. I'm your host, as always, Aaron Pym, and I'm the producer of the theatrical variety show, The Bed Post Sex Show. Here on the podcast, I like to invite guests and performers from the stage show and beyond into the studio to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. And this week, I have a special guest. She is a therapist. She's also a comedic performer as well. Her name is Dora Zemos. Hello. Hi hello. there. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome. That's me. <laughs> yes, hi. Thank you for having me. This is so flattering. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Wonderful. No, I'm kidding. Um, I love you. Uh, oh, you performed... You've performed at the show previously, and you're also going to be doing a future show as well. Tell me a bit, a bit about your uh, your set that you do at Bedpost. Yes, um, I do a Bio Queen set um, with a uh, one of my um, troop members who's in the troop with me. Your improv uh, troop. Yes, improv troop. And he uh, he dresses in drag. I also dress in drag, but it really I'm just like heightening my femininity. Um, so you're, of, you're not dressing as a man no, when no, you no, say dressing no. as drag. Um, very much a, dressing as a woman, um, but with a lot of like theatricality, putting on a lot of makeup and like a wig and and being really like bold with my sexuality and and, and theatrical and you call it bio queen right? yes yes and bio queen uh, for people who don't really get what that means it's biological queen right some people call biofem to do a performance like that so biologically feminine or biologically female right yes absolutely um yeah that's what that means and um yeah so my uh my troop member and i we like choreographed a dance together uh, <laughs> And it was to S and M. Uh, well, Rihanna's S and M. And uh, we put on costumes, and uh, it was like a really amazing experience. Because... It was a party. It oh, was... yeah. oh we, we put you right at the end, I think. Yes, yes. And I remember it just being like such a great wrap up to the show, just to have this really high energy, fun like party type set. Yeah, so I loved yeah. it. So I'm looking Thank forward you. to you, uh, you, you and Legs Benedict. That's that's uh, my two members like alter ego stage and, name. And yours is Queen Priscilla. Queen Priscilla, that's me. Yes, I'm yes. very looking forward to Queen Priscilla and Legs Benedict uh, <laughs> back at Bedpost, and that's happening in May. But we will we'll promo all that later at well, the end of the show. You, thank you. But oh my God, something I didn't realize until right now. I was like, how would you like me to introduce you? You said uh, therapist, <laughs> which I had no idea. <laughs> Yes. Your day um, job is a therapist. Yes. Uh, currently, I'm I'm like looking for work, but I just finished a master's program and I was practicing for a year. So um, I'm taking a little break and, and searching for work. But that is my um, like my I'm a trade job. That's what I've been trained to do. Yeah. Um, so yes, mental health therapist. Yeah. Mental yeah. health therapist. Wow, that's so amazing. Where where does sex and sexuality come in in therapy? Are there branches? Like, what's what's the deal? Um, yeah, well, there's definitely, um, like, a branch of psychology, uh, like a sex therapist, who deal primarily with issues or concerns related to sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, you know, I find it fascinating. Um, 
because I think there's such a stigma around it. Yeah. Still. Um, <clears throat> but that's why. That's why I do the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's so important that that you do just this to talk because, about it. Um, yeah, like there is such a stigma and, um, it was always this thing that was very tiptoed around like, um, and maybe, I don't know if I give off the vibe that I'm like prudish or like not comfortable talking about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I actually am very comfortable talking about that stuff. I mean, um, I'm very, you know, non-judgmental and open-minded when it comes to sex. So, um, it's something that I, I'd like to invite, mm-hmm. um, and celebrate because, you know, sexuality is a huge part of our, of our identity. So, um, so all of, all of the things you just mentioned that's all things you can bring to a regular therapist, right? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Right? Yes. And it, and it should be something that can be talked about with your therapist. And if it's not, then you should get a new therapist. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. What yeah, about so. like, what about where like couples therapy is concerned? Do, do you have to specifically study to be a couples therapist, for example? Um, yeah, actually, you're right. In ter- um, like, you, it's something you specialize in. So even like sexuality, sex and sexuality, it's something that if your your therapist doesn't have a lot of experience or training in, then maybe yeah, you should go to someone who has that um, that sort of specialization. Um, or they can um, refer you exactly, or right. they can refer you. Um, so when it comes to couples counseling, yeah, you do need additional training because um, it's way more complicated than counseling you know one person. Right. Um, because there's definitely there's always like two very different alternate uh, alternative stories, you know, that couples bring in to every issue. Exactly to every issue. Like their perspectives, like sometimes are so different that it's hard to to bri- make you know uh, to bridge them. So uh, yeah, you definitely need some additional training. Some experience. additional training. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, oh, I thought of a question. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, well, I suppose another option is like to see a sex educator, like mm-hmm. a certified sex educator, um, who would maybe do, I know, well, I know some sex educators do one-on-one sessions or like couple sessions yeah. that mm-hmm. I guess it's more of like tutorials kind of and stuff like that. I don't know if Kim Sedgwick does that. I feel like she might. Kim Sedgwick is from Red Tent Sisters. Um, there are lovely two sisters that own this, uh, sexual wellness for women business. Mm-hmm. They used to have a storefront on the Danforth, which is right where we do our bedpost show at Broadview and Danforth. Um, and the one sister deals with fertility, essentially. She's mm-hmm. a fertility expert, and I know she does. Um, she, like, maps their whole there's whole cycles and maps everything and I, I know it's a lot it's a lot more in depth than mapping I'm sure that's the one thing <laughs> yeah. I'm aware of uh um so are you aware uh of anyone that practices sex therapy and what they might how they what they might do what do they do are they a thing yes <laughs> I do. They are a thing. I only know one. Um, my professor, he was a, he specialized in sex therapy, and he said it was like the best work he's ever done because um, he that's uh, primarily what he talks about in session with his clients. People come to him. He's an expert in the field. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like <clears throat> sex is a problem with a lot of couples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it is. It is. Um, and you know, if you can have because it's so much about like you know open communication and trust and, and if couples already struggle with that um then I, when feel it comes, like, yeah. I feel like i feel like sex is the first thing to go in a, when, in a, oh, yeah. yeah when there's oh, okay. a problem in the relationship yeah sex yeah. is the first when there's a problem with sex that's the first indicator of you know maybe other problems in the relationship mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just the that's the indicator of some sort of breakdown somewhere 
Yes. That they need to address. That's that's a really interesting perspective because that's the one area that comes up that comes up a lot. I would think like long-term couples as well. This is sort of a thing that they might go to a sex therapist specifically for. So yes. it's a couple that's been together a long time and they're happy and in love otherwise, but for whatever reason they just don't have sex yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Or have it once a year. There's tons of couples like that. Yeah, I mean, issues related to, you know, maybe like erectile difficulties. Right. Um, or like, even like if, if the woman has a difficulty becoming like lubricated or like a lack of sexual arousal, I think there's actually like a specific like diagnosis for that, if, if you believe in that. But like, or just like, yeah, a lack of like sexual interest between, between you know, within the couple. Um, that's what kind of like warrants, like maybe that would warrant like seeing a sex therapist. Or I was thinking also, if one of the partners does have a desire for sex mm-hmm. and the other does not, maybe that's more even more common. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, where that makes sense. one wants to have sex and the other person is just not interested at all. Yeah. For instance, you just lose like sexual attraction to someone, mm-hmm. um, or maybe there's a lack of uh, novelty or excitement in the relationship. So what was working before is no longer really working anymore. So how can we, you know, change things, mm-hmm. make um, it new again? Exactly. Make it... What do you recommend for people that are having problems with their sex lives? So I would say novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, is a huge thing to sort of incite more passion and excitement in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, communication, like actually talking about your sexual interest and your kinks and what and what arouses you. A lot of people don't um, talk openly about that in their relationship, and because maybe there's a fear of like this might be considered weird or abnormal, and I don't want to scare my partner. Um, but so fear you know, of judgment, exactly. Fear of judgment is a huge one, right? Um, so yeah, communication, novelty. Um, yeah, taking risks in like safely and consensually. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I think yeah, trying new things is a great way to restore um, the excitement of you know, is, of the, you know, in the sexual arena or just even emotional arena of a relationship. Is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So even so, taking a risk um, because by trying something new, you're saying exactly. so. Yeah. So yeah, the person might not be into it, but the if they are into it. The payoff is huge. Absolutely. Right? Yes, so absolutely. worth the risk to do new things. It's it's like so it's so important that um not necessarily like you keep introducing, but if, if that's an area that you're struggling with and you find yourself not feeling sexually attracted or sexually aroused or interested in sex anymore with your partner, then I would advise, P.S. I'm not a sex therapist, but <laughs> based on my personal experience, introducing novelty into the relationship is a great, it can be a great solution for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And where do, where could people find, like, how do you think up new things to do? Like where, where would, would they get these ideas from? Do you think? You know what? Just like, it's so amazing. Cause like, yeah, you can go to a, like, you know, um, you can go to a sex store, right. And try toys and stuff, but also like using your imagination, like role playing and like, um, you know, maybe trying more kinkier things as well, like power, power plays and, and role playing and, mm-hmm. uh, maybe dabbling into BDSM if that's something that, you know, can be done. Um, like, you know, I've had, you know, and, and that, um, and stuff like that can really uh, re- like invigorate a relationship. Yeah, a sex know? life. Exactly, a sex life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just use your imagination because like there's so many things that turn people on, but they're so afraid of exploring those fantasies because of this fear of judgment. But mm-hmm. um, there's just it's a whole realm of just opportunity there, right? Because yeah. how because how often in like a committed relationship 
would one person come out with like this is my secret fantasy and the other person completely rejecting them like really that can't happen that often for it to be such a prevalent fear yeah yeah, like how often is the person going to respond and say no absolutely not and i'm leaving and (laughs) and goodbye (laughs) forever i hate you now and that's what this is now. It's and en- we're enemies now. Yes. And ha- be like, this is gonna happen. Like this is the worst possible outcome, and it's definitely gonna happen. But yeah, you'd be amazed. Like a lot of partners are so willing to accept these fantasies and explore them. Yeah, I, I actually did um, an interview. Uh, Vice interviewed me for being like a author of pornography, a writer, an erotica writer, um, and one of the questions was oh do you think people do you think people should be more positive sexually should be more sex positive mm-hmm. and my reaction was of course everyone can stand to be more sex positive for sure i suggested some of the resources you were saying like go talk to people at the sex shop at the local sex shop like yeah, yeah, yeah. see events mm-hmm. like bedpost i don't know um like you know get on the google and google things of like course, of course, even when yeah. you're not trying to google sex things they come up like it's you have all the resources at your fingers tips right definitely yeah, um absolutely. i was saying the most important thing like you're saying is communication and communicating your deepest fantasies to your partner because as <laughs> we're saying it it's uh yeah it's risky a little bit risky but it's a huge payoff right and say if you say your your fantasy to the partner if they can't either like indulge it in some way themselves um either actively or more passively or um, if they're not accepting of you at least using it as like masturbation fodder and like just still entertaining the fantasy on your own time or employing like the third thing is okay if they're not okay with any of that perhaps you know they can be okay with then you entertaining that fantasy with another person or with a sex worker or you know somewhere outside of the house so if the partner doesn't want you to do any of those things and like perhaps put some thought into finding a new partner it's about yeah get a new partner because because how often is a partner, they gotta be pretty shitty <laughs> for you to to come to them with your deepest, darkest fantasy and then completely reject you for it. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. it's 2017. Mm-hmm. Like if they can't indulge it in some way, allow you to do it elsewhere, or still allow you to, you know, do it in front of your own laptop. Like obviously, it's got to be a legal thing. We're not <laughs> yeah, talking yeah, about course, like taboo yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Seriously, right? Um, but the thing is, is that a lot of these people have so much shame. Like, it's, all, it's like their own personal shame that they have about these, like, dark, dark desires. Their own judgment exactly. of themselves. Exactly. And they kind of, and not to get all psychobabble here, but they kind of, like, project that shame onto someone else and, and be like, no, they're going to be, like, a sh- a, you know, shame me. But it's actually coming from within themselves. Yeah. They don't think that. You haven't told them yet. Exactly. You exactly. haven't even told them yet. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know. How are they shaming you? How are they going to shame you already? You haven't even said anything to them exactly. yet. Give them a chance. 
No, and I agree, right? To it's accept like, you. Um, but I, I guess I, the, the piece of it is like the self acceptance of like just being like, this is something I like, and and that's okay. We don't need to pathologize it, right. unless you know, unless as you said, it's something a bit more into the you know, like if it's bestiality, bestiality or, or pedophilia, pedophilia or something like that. That's then. a different territory. But most things that people come in with, or most things that I've heard, or even stuff that I've explored, aren't dark. They they can be done consensually, safely, responsibly, and you know, there's nothing pathological about those desires. And I find that most people that think, most people think their own kinks are the kinkiest, grossest, (laughs) like no one will accept me for them. Meanwhile, it's, it's probably the most mild, (laughs) on the most mild end of the spectrum in reality, right? But they just think that they're, nobody could possibly be into that. And it's like, no, probably, probably nine out of 10 people would be into that, you know, but they just think it's, oh, it's the worst. And if they ever found Mm -hmm. out, then they'd think I was disgusting or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's probably so mild. Like, usually it's so mild and just bring it up with the partner and it'd be no problem, you know? Exactly. Like, you know, you can make up the craziest, like, not craziest, but like the most irrational expectations in your mind. Um, But in reality, like, if you like to get choked a little bit or spanked, like, it's... it's Most people... Most people do! They like... choking and a little spanking. Just from time to time. A little choking and a little spanking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, we're we're gonna take a little break, Dora. Alrighty. Um, and we will be right back with um. We're gonna we're gonna get into your story. Oh, how about? I like that. That sounds amazing. Okay, great. We're gonna take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. This episode has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Enter coupon code BEDPOST when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive a 15% discount. And don't forget that shipping on orders over $50 is free in Canada. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you visit comeasyouare.com. Hello, everyone. We are back with Dora Zimas. Hi. Hi, Hello. Everyone. Hey, ho. Hi, ho, ho, ho. I'm here. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested. Um, one of the things you told me. Yes. Which is very interesting because I'm also bisexual. Oh, is that nice. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I identify as bisexual, mm-hmm. not um, pansexual or anything like that or queer a lot of people use queer Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. nowadays totally i use bisexual yeah you use bisexual i use that uh yeah i use that term for sure why do you use that term um, I'm attracted to men and women sexually. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> just to keep it super simple. <laughs> yeah, let's just break it right down. <laughs> super basic. Um, in terms of my gender identity, I feel, I don't really t- think too critically about my gender identity. I mean, I feel feminine, um, but sometimes I actually feel neutral about my gender. Like, I don't, it's not something I totally, like, I don't sometimes, you know, but some, I, I can embody masculinity as well, but I definitely don't identify as, as queer in that sense of, like, Gender queer. Um, yeah, exactly. In terms of like questioning my gender identity too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but people but... even use queer to 
um, not when not where gender is concerned. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's they very orient true. themselves as queer, mm-hmm. right? A lot yeah. of people like the word queer because it's. I think it's like vaguer. It gives more room, more wiggle room, um, and they don't have to be so specific. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of an umbrella for for non-binary, basically. Non-binary, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think at some point maybe I did identify as queer, but more recently I've just been like, no, I'm going to go with bisexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that term so, yeah. just makes sense to you. It makes better sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel comfortable using that term, so. How do you feel about um, bisexuality as um, maybe what people think bisexuality is versus your real experience? Um, yeah, like for instance, you know, um, you know, coming out to my family, it was hard. I mean, my parents don't really know. Right. Yeah. Um, but my brother, I openly talk about my sexuality with, so he knows, but yeah, at the beginning he was always like, it's a phase. Like this is just experimentation. Yeah. You're Um, just experimenting with women. Yeah. 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 In college. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. That's a stereotype. Uh, it's a stereotype and it was false because it's something that's been, you know, with me for a long time and I identify as bisexual and it's not just a phase. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was like the one misconception I had, like I had to deal with a lot, not even from just my brother, but from my friends, um, just being like, this is a phase. It's like, you just, like, are going through, like, this, like, what? And, like, no, 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 this is something that's really a part of me. So, yeah, that's one thing that, yeah. That is a phase. Yeah. Um, another <clears throat> popular stereotype is that you'll kind of never be happy being in a monogamous relationship because mm-hmm. you're always going to want the opposite sex as well, you know? Yeah, if you're yeah. with a man, then won't you be unhappy because you want to be with a woman as well and same the other way if you're with a woman won't you be unhappy because you're not with a man yeah yeah and that's another popular misconception that i've also had to deal with because like yeah um like yeah you can't like people who identify as bisexual can be in monogamous relationships and be fulfilled um just like any person exactly like 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 just because you're attracted to just men okay well you're with that one man but you like other men as well so how can you be with the one man when there's other men it's like oh my god it's baffling (laughs) it's baffling how (laughs) one can yeah balance the the two figure it out and i think at the core of that is like a lot of like slut shaming where it's like oh you must be prone to like promiscuity or like yes that's a stick that's a stereotype even if you are like it shouldn't be an issue but it's like you are you are slutty or you are promiscuous and therefore you you'll never be fully you know fulfilled in like you know monogamous committed relationship or so forth i think i just realized that right now oh, that really? that yeah, is yeah. a sec mm-hmm. a um, stereotype for bisexuality oh yeah i and I'll that you're sluts yeah yeah that's yeah I, i've gotten that like that's the underlying assumption from from my point of view at least and another thing i find um is that people think that you to be bisexual and i kind of battled with this in identifying with my sexuality is that bisexual doesn't have to be and it's not defined as being equally attracted to both sexes Mm -hmm. and having equal desire say romantic desire for both sexes and equal experience with both sexes right like bisexuality doesn't mean that either no 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 absolutely not and it's interesting that you mentioned that because recently i saw these like 
this pie graph recently and it was like describing bisexuality and it was like the you know the various expressions of bisexuality and it was like you can be like one quarter attracted to men yeah. and like you know three quarters attracted to women and you're still a, you know can identify as bisexual right so it isn't all about just like equal, equal equality in terms of sexual attraction to yeah there's a spectrum. There is. It's a huge spectrum. Even yeah. in even inside of one term like bisexuality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing was, you know, if you're dating, you're a woman dating a man, mm-hmm. okay, do I have to give in my card, my bi- bisexuality card? You know, like, am I still bisexual if I'm dating a man monogamously? Like, stuff like that. Questions like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not a bargaining chip. You yeah. Know? It's, you know, it's it's not it's not something you negotiate. Like, do I lose my possibly. membership? Exactly. If I'm monogamous yeah. with a yeah. man? Yeah. You know, am I straight? No. Mm-hmm. There's generally, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to bisexuality. Yeah. And it, there's a lot of stigma as well. Absolutely. What's your experience? So, <clears throat> so coming out... Mm-hmm. You said you didn't really come out to your parents. No, it's something my parents wouldn't fully understand. You know what? I've never officially come out to with, to my parents with it either. Oh, okay. Even though yeah. my mom is like one of the my biggest fans of mm. all my stuff and she's heard me talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Extensively, <laughs> I'm sure at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never I never had a, an official coming out. Yeah, yeah. No, I and I and I likely will never have one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not something I choose to because at the end of the day, um, I I don't care if my parents accept it. You know, mm-hmm. um, if I end up you know dating someone monogamously for a long period of time and I introduce them to my parents, that will be my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't, you know, it's not something I put a lot of weight on, mm-hmm. like their acceptance of it. Um, know what I think it is for me that I also just realized? Maybe it's because you're a therapist and I'm, oh. all these things are just <laughs> dropping in for me, right? So many discoveries are happening right now. I'm glad that I'm, like, facilitating that. Like, this is great. I think why I've never actually officially come out as bisexual, and I really, I haven't anyone, really. People know I am. Lots of people know I am. Yeah. But why I didn't come out was because I didn't think being bisexual was, was as important Interesting, yeah. As yeah. coming out yeah. as gay. You know what? There's that there's that element as well that I just I just realized. So thank you. <gasps> <laughs> thank you. I made a self discovery today. <laughs> Me too. I'm really, I know that's amazing. No, it is something because it's yeah, it's because it's like deprioritized in terms of like um, yeah, the non binary sexualities. It's like um, you're gay or straight. If you if you're not gay, then there's no point in, uh, in yeah. coming out. Yeah, <clears throat> but there is a point. There's a point. And yeah, you know what? With sure. bisexuality, it's it's specifically male bisexuality. It is the least visible. I feel like male bisexuality specifically is the least visible type of orientation. Oh, yeah. Around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Men who are bisexual. Can you name a guy that's bisexual? I mean, no. In, I, in the yeah. media, in TV, a celebrity, um, a friend, a family member. Actually, I, have, I met someone online once and they identified, they were a male and they were identified as a male, uh, bi, bisexual. I have online as well. Yeah. But never met the person yeah, actually, and, never met and the only person. online which yeah. which i attribute to because it's anonymous so you can tell your secrets easily to a stranger totally right yeah, absolutely so i feel like that maybe that's the only forum where they can come out mm-hmm. openly say that they're a bisexual man yeah because there's that there's that element of anonymity right i mean maybe th- that is one deterrent for men you know to to identify with bisexuality because 
you know, I think men, I don't know, this is maybe a big generalization, but maybe men are, it, it's it's less okay for them to cross the, the sexuality divide or the oh, gender yeah. divide. Oh, yeah. Women are so much freer to be more fluid. Right. Yeah. So And so, celebrated for it. Absolutely. You know? But men, I feel like the stigma for male bisexuality is that it's a stepping stone to being gay. Exactly. Oh, yeah. no, you're just gay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not valid to be what it is exactly that you are attracted to both genders to both both sexes. sexes and so forth yeah for men it's like you're gay or you're straight or you're straight like, Th- it's so those rigid. are yeah, yeah it's very rigid it's very rigid so which is which is sad like that's unfortunate right because it's like a social it's like a social judgment that pre- prevents men from like exploring their sex like the limits of their sexuality and what they like sexually yeah um i mean as much as men men are doing fine they're doing um, okay they're doing they're okay, okay. <laughs> white white men are okay but that said like this the toxic masculinity that mm-hmm. they are just that is just ingrained in their culture and in their adolescence and growing up is just is yeah. insane there's something to be said for that for sure oh it is it is horrifying actually like the kind the way that we socialize men to like disavow yes. their femininity yes like it's, yes it's it's a human like I, this is going to sound really dramatic but it's like i would consider that a human rights violation yes um because uh, to some extent they do have to like split their psyche like you know what we associate with femininity like emotional expression vulnerability yeah and, and they're things that aren't that why are they seen as feminine they're human they're traits human. they're not feminine traits to be empathetic yeah to be loving anything to do with emotions absolutely yeah. there it's human traits not female traits no i know but for some reason in our culture and our society we really feminize those qualities yeah um, and we devalue them as yes well. uh, because uh, females just in general like right. <laughs> yeah like being feminine is something to be embarrassed about and actually there's um Madonna has a song, uh, and I and I love Madonna. <laughs> yes. She's a huge like. I just I love her. I love everything she. The, well, there's she's, part of her that are problematic, but like I, I for the most part I like her. I like her POV, and um, she has this one song, "What It Feels Like to Be a to Be a Girl." Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, there's like a little there's like a little interlude, and she's just like, uh, "It's okay for a girl to dress like a boy because you know being a boy is okay in our society, but for a boy to dress like a girl is degrading." And then she's like, "Because being a girl is degrading." And then mm-hmm. it was like so. It's such a powerful message. Yeah. And so true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole, and that's the whole idea of socializing men to be masculine and not be feminine is because that it's a female issue. The issue is that they're being told that females are bad. Yeah. If yeah. they're being told these female qualities in you are bad, they're essentially saying females are bad. Well, exactly. It's about Absolutely. hating women. It's misogyny. It's about hating women. Yeah. Yeah, but then at the but that's what I find so interesting about misogyny because it actually stems from a hatred of the self because we teach men to hate these parts of themselves mm-hmm. so they kind of disavow uh, like dis- disavow them and then project them onto the feminine sex and say oh only women embody these qualities exclusively mm-hmm. but really it's a part of themselves that they've been trained to hate mm-hmm. and I think that from my theoretical that's point where of view, misogyny comes that's from where mis- misogyny comes yeah from. because they're at first in infancy <clears throat> adolescence young exactly. adulthood told that their female qualities are bad. Yeah. Like, to hate them yeah, and hate to, them. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to fear them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. And then as adults, that's internalized and they commit violence towards women. If it's not violence, then it's devaluing. Of course. It's all, all throughout language. Don't be a pussy. Like, oh, God. Just, it's it's, it's everywhere disgusting. in language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and throw, even, like, throw like a girl. You run like oh, a girl. Yeah, don't cry it's... like don't cry like a girl or something like that. Yeah. There's that yeah. just like just awful stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and even like gender gender violence, like I see that as a part of men destroying themselves. Like when yes, they, that is. you know, when it's they, all related. Um, it's all it's all interrelated, and it's 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 despicable. Yeah. yeah. There's a documentary called The Mask You Wear, mm-hmm. and I, it's about masculinity. It's very oh, okay. interesting. Yeah. And even just, just looking at the description of it, I'm like, do I want to watch something about masculinity? I don't really, but man, it is is it good? It's all about um, the rejection of the feminine. It's all yeah. about exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna check that out because it mask, sounds fascinating. Yeah. The mask you wear. The mask you wear. Okay. Yeah, and it's about um, like there's uh, some of the main like figureheads throughout a young gentleman's uh, adolescence are talking. So coaches is a huge one. Coaches are huge. Mm-hmm. So fathers, coaches teachers, all those adult male role models uh, along the way speak about it. Um, Okay. um, So how long did you know you were bisexual? When did you first (sighs) figure that out or find that out about yourself? Um, Yeah, I think, you know what, it was in my early 20s because I reflected, uh, like, uh, I reflected on my past relationships. And to be honest, like the most intense emotional relationships I've ever had were with were with women and and are still today are with women. Um, And some of them had like some like eroticized elements to these friendships, but most most of them were considered platonic. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my, you know, early 20s, I was like, I realized, oh, my gosh, I actually love, you know, I love women, not just platonically, like I romantically love women I've been in love with some of my friends mm-hmm. um and then at that point I just was like f- you know excuse my language but I was like fuck it like I'm going to pursue relationships with women um and it's you know it's gonna be a part of who I am so I think it was around my early 20s I started really accepting that as a part of my my sexuality mm-hmm. was you know my attraction to women and so forth yeah where did you so did you casually date did you have a monogamous relationship with the female um, what did you do around that time I, I dated, uh, I dated a lot. Uh, Most of my twenties has been characterized by dating, I would say. (laughs) Casually dating. Yes, casually dating. Um, you know, within the last year I had a serious, you know, monogamous relationship with women, Mm -hmm. but it was just about even going to like munches. Like I, I had a FetLife account going Mm -hmm. to like munches, meeting other women in the, you know, kink community. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so that was one way, um, uh, but yeah, in this, in the last year I've had like a, a serious monogamous relationship with women and, and that was really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just like meeting people, um, and, you know, dating and, you know, you know, uh, and then having like a serious, which was, which was new for me. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was really new. Yeah. To have a monogamous relationship with a female. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to like, to reconcile like the sexuality and like the, fr- cause before it was like so much, and so and these were platonic friendships, but like uh, for at least two of them, I can say that, you know, I did have, and like, maybe it was mutual, maybe it wasn't, but like, maybe I, I, I did love these people, these women, mm-hmm. um, who I considered friends, but were actually like in my mind and some like repressed part of my mind, I wanted it to be more than that. What do you think, what do you think the difference is between female relationships you've had versus male relationships you've had? Are there some definable differences? You know, I, I haven't had too much experience dating women monogamously and, um, you know, exclusively, but, you know, I guess the one difference I can name is like, there's also, there's also the thing, you know, um, 
with my female friendships, it's just like complete, I mean, my female, this one relationship that I had, or even dating women casually, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's a, there's a transparency that's very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just like, this is, these are my thoughts. These are my feelings. Like there's like a level of intimacy that I personally haven't been able to, uh, experience with a man. No. And that's not to say all men just have difficulties with intimacy. Just like the men that I've chosen, um, I haven't been able to establish that deep, like a deep level of intimacy with in comparison to some of these female relationships that I've had. Mm-hmm. Where it's like your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your wishes. You just it's, say it just, all. It's, it's there. No fear. There's no fear. Um, and that sort of transparency and intimacy has been like really just incredibly just transcend- transcendental for me. Because mm-hmm. um, I haven't really experienced that in a lot of my heterosexual relationships. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. No, it's like incredible. You have access, like, it's like, it's like I've had unlimited access to someone's mind. Like that's such a beautiful privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, some men maybe have established maybe moments like, but they were very fleeting, you know, fleeting moments. Yeah. Um, and I was always left. And again, this, this might be like who I choose, who I'm attracted to. It's not a general, it's not a general thing, but it was always that element of mystery of like, what are they thinking? Like, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. it's, and it's, it's such a, it's a very vulnerable place to be. Yeah. Do you feel like you understand women, even even in the bedroom, say? Do you think it's like it's easier to get because you're a woman? Yes, but but also I think um, I have to be sometimes you have to like I have to be personally careful because what I like might not be what my partner likes. Um, but in terms of like the female anatomy, like, I think I have a better understanding of how to like navigate it because I have a vagina you, yeah, and, like, you a have a vulva. and like a vulva. So I know like what, which place pleasure pl- uh, points to hit. Mm-hmm. But again, like it's so like contact, like it's so per- uh, person specific that I don't want to make too many like, you know, hasty assumptions. assumptions. Yeah. I find, I find, um, just in the bedroom, I find it's, uh, it's the same across the board that you have to learn a body Whatever exactly. body it is, yeah, you yeah. have to learn. You got to figure out what's going on. Absolutely, you know, as fast as you can. <laughs> and I don't. I feel it. It doesn't translate. Yeah. Uh, me being with another woman does not necessarily mean uh, that I know how to please her. It doesn't yeah, at all. Exactly. And exactly. I've and I've run into walls all the time, assuming mm-hmm. that, especially yeah. in the beginning, because. I like my breast touch. She doesn't. She doesn't like her nipples touch. Hers are too sensitive to be touched. Yeah, and it, exactly. And it's yeah. bothersome for her. Like even non-sexual <clears throat> organs, like a neck, like that guy, you know, or an ear. Like one partner loves to be nibbled on the ear. The other thinks it's gives him the squig. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like it's yeah. all navigating a new body, no matter what. Yeah. And I, and I love that op- the open mindedness of that approach is that you're going in with the um, with the intention of like pleasing and discovering someone's body, mm-hmm. and that is a really beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. That's a great intention to have. Exactly, it's a great intention. Right? Rather than going in and trying to colonize someone's body, like <laughs> it's really dramatic. But like going in, and be like I know what you want, but yeah, like and I'm going to give it to you. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just going to give it to you, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, that approach, uh, you know, maybe I've tried that just with a lot of hubris and just like a lack of experience, but now I know it's not. That's not the way to approach it. It's not the way to go. Yeah. yeah it's not a good way. <laughs> if you want to have satisfying <laughs> sex. <laughs> and like see the person again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <you> know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <so laughs> Tone it so, down a bit, Tor. Yeah. Just like ever so slightly. Like, take, take it, it down, down a notch. Yeah. yeah. I, I find my experience, um, 
is that I tend, I'm tending to be, especially as I get older, um, I'm tending to be more hetero romantic, but more homosexual. Oh, okay. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like as an adult, I don't have a desire to keep, uh, like relationships with women, friendships aside. I actually not friendships aside. I don't have a lot of female friendships. <laughs> But I have, I have more of a desire than ever to be with women sexually. Yes. And I just find it interesting that that's, even within bisexuality, like I've been bisexual 10 years ago and I am bisexual now, but there's still wiggle room. Like it kind of sounds like a binary term, you know, bisexual. Yeah. Two things. It does. It sounds strict, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I still find that I have a lot of fluidity within that term and it changes every day and you got to give yourself the room to do that absolutely yeah um yeah i like this notion that you have of like you know you have your your hetero romantic ps never heard that term before very cool oh Um, (laughs) i might have made it up i heard it it somewhere once i think that you yeah that you know it's different to be Mm -hmm. hetero romantic or hetero heterosexual yeah because a lot of people um can be in committed monogamous loving in love relationships with one gender but not feel as we're going back to what what we kind of were talking about at the beginning, but they don't have a sexual attraction to that person or that gender really. Yeah. Yeah. But they can have these in love committed relationships and emotionally committed, emotionally committed. And, um, and that's where, you know, the communication and the novelty and the exploration can, it can start Mm -hmm. is like, you know, we don't like our relationship. I mean, the reality of it is not all relationships are going to be sexually uh, charged for the entirety of, you know, the duration of the relationship. That's just nature. It's just the way it works, right? There's a honeymoon phase that's going to end eventually. And then you're going to settle into companionship and emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. and, you know, the other, the foundations of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have, you know, a very secure bond with someone where you can say, Hey, like, I'd like to explore some of my same sex attractions or my same sex feelings. Um, and you can do that while still remaining in a committed emotional relationship. That's, you know, that's a beautiful thing. So Yeah, that's the ideal, right? It is, essentially. Like, From my point of view, it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, my example for that might be, speaking also of bisexual men, um, is that a lot of men, I mean, again, trying not to generalize here, but a lot of men um, historically... Uh, coming up in theater that had that married women, I'm sure for many reasons, one to get people off their back that were saying they were gay, yeah. um, you know, to just be socially acceptable. Um, but but also there are lots of examples of like famous actors, directors, writers, playwrights that were in love with their wives, gay men, or bisexual men perhaps Mm -hmm. that were in love with their wives loved their wives so much but were but were gay so maybe you know at that point they weren't able to well they weren't even able to say they were gay but even less able to say that they were bisexual or that they were homosexual but hetero romantic yeah of course and they built they built had a family with 
their wives and their women and a whole life with them yeah. and love them. But it's it, it, to some extent it is tragic because, again, you have to split off a significant part of, part yourself, of yourself and, like, repress it. Yeah. And, and for, you know, for various reasons, I mean, maybe during this historical time, it was less acceptable to be gay. To for sure. as gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nowadays, I mean, even nowadays, like, I think that for men to to admit to feelings of same-sex attraction in a heteronormative relationship, it would still be uh, Just very as challenging. hard. Yeah. yeah very yeah. challenging. If not just as hard, very challenging. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Man, we've had a great time talking. We're uh, we're pretty much out of time. Oh, this is great. It's been so much fun. It's just you fun. are. I would love to talk to you again. Oh, Man. thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. No, we'll just never talk again we ever. If we see each other, just look the other way. Just go the other way, Dora. Yeah. <laughs> just ignore each other. This is the only time we will ever talk. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. god. Okay, Dora. So you are doing the uh, next bed post show, which is May the nineteenth. Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> Present, yes. Um, what else uh, do you have going on? Because you're a performer. We didn't even talk about your comedy stuff. You're oh, hilarious. You're a hilarious you. improviser. You. Um, you're in a group that performs. Yeah, we're uh, doing a show April 11th at Bad Dog Theater. Uh, our group name is Napoleon Ice Cream. It's a great, great group of people. And I don't know the time or the name of the show, but it's April 11th at Bad Dog Theater. That's all I know. I love it. Um, do you perform anywhere else or with any other groups you would like to? Um, no. At this point, I'm, I'm very committed to Napoleon Ice Cream. Yes. And your, and your duo, your drag duo. Oh, and my drag duo, which is, yeah, a do huge you, passion. Do you have an, a name for the duo? You got to think of um, one. Yeah, we haven't really, we haven't really given it much thought, but we, that's something we need to do. You're absolutely right. You do, because you're a group. Yes. Uh, everybody, this has been Dora Zemus. Um, thank you so much, Dorothy. Uh, this has been such a great conversation. And to tell you the truth, everybody, okay, at about 48 minutes, the computer just went black. So stressful. <laughs> so stressful. And we ran. That's why the end of this, the end of this recording is going to sound vastly different than, than the rest of the episode because we had to run up to the condo, at, like just freaking out and plug in the laptop because I didn't save it, obviously. We we're still recording uh, to see if it was still there. And we plugged it in and it opened up and it was exactly where we left off. Thank God. Oh, my God. It's fake. Oh, my God. We were shitting. I'm getting so scared. Because we, we had such a good conversation. It was so much fun. I just want to thank you, Erin, for having me because this oh has my God. been an amazing time. You're adorable. Thank oh, you so thank much you. for coming. Everyone, this has been Dora Zemus, and I'm Erin Pym, and this has been the Bedpost Podcast. Check back often, everyone, because we release a new episode every Friday, and if you want to see Bedpost Live, the Roddy Stage Show runs at the Social Capital Theater the third Friday of every month at 8. For more information on everything Bedpost, please visit us on Facebook at Bedpost Erotica or on Instagram at the Bedpost Sex Show. And lastly, the Bedpost Podcast features original music by Stephanie Cole who can be reached on Facebook or at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com.